Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 72 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. Excited about today's guest and today's blog. It's uh, you know, one of the things that near and dear to the, the heart of a good Citrix guy, if you've been doing it for a long time, is basically the, the, the um, now I'm drawing a blank, uh, Metaframe, WinFrame story and the evolution of it, which is Citrix virtual app and desktop uh, both the on-premises as well as the service. Honestly, 15 minutes ago, I had forgotten what we were doing today, and I was a little a little overwhelmed because I got so much going on. Then I realized we were having Nitin Sharma on, and this was the topic, and it changed my attitude. So I guess that means uh, I really do like this stuff. Uh, Bill Sutton's with us. Bill, how's it going? Going well, Andy. Can't complain. How about you? Uh, I won't complain. Just, just <laughs> awfully busy and a victim of yeah. my own uh, desire to keep myself busy, but... Uh, that's good. So, uh, how's the world of consulting going? Oh, it's going fine. Um, you know, we're we're staying reasonably busy. No, uh, I got a question for you, and maybe Nitin would want to chime in on this too. So maybe we'll wait till we introduce him. But how has Citrix items as a service, like virtual app and desktop service, how much has that impacted the uh, the the project phases? In other words, did we go from five-week projects down to three-week projects and maybe hold on that answer and and we'll get Nitin introduced and go from there. Nitin Sharma, Nitin, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. Give us your official title. Yep. Uh, so I'm a senior product marketing manager underneath the, uh, uh, for workspace services, specifically under the virtual apps and desktops uh, product portfolio. So you hold the, uh, the crown jewels of Citrix, right? That's the, uh, no matter, no matter what, Citrix buys next, you'll always be the most important person to us, right? Yep. Based on customer conversations, uh, the hot topics always still what's new and what what are we coming out with new in virtual apps and desktops? Right. Yeah. You can't, well, you can be a Citrix guy without that being in your portfolio, but it's kind of hard um, if it's not part of your story. So Bill, going back to the question I asked you, and, and maybe Nitin can charm in on what they're seeing, um, What? how much is as a service technologies shortened the uh, implementation of uh, of, a, of a Citrix uh, virtual app and desktop rollout? It shortens it a little bit. Uh, it's not significant uh, because when you think about it, the, the the real meat of a virtual apps and desktops deployment is all around the image, the profiles, the policies, a lot of those elements. Uh, and then you add into that, the cloud connectors have got to go in. So it ends up being almost a wash maybe a little bit less because you don't have to worry about building SQL, building delivery controllers, building storefront servers, building ADC um, if they go gateway. Uh, obviously, it depends. That's the consultant answer, of course. If they're going on-prem gateway and storefront, then it's going to be closer to what we typically see on an on-prem, an on-prem deployment. If they're all into the cloud, including gateway service, then it would be you know, a considerable amount of hours less in most cases. But again, the meat of, the pro- of those projects is doing the image uh, and all the on-prem stuff that you need to do or cloud stuff that you need to do. And, and Bill, if you expand that further into the maintenance side of it, how do you see it impacting the the life cycle of a customer and and what's required to either do it themselves or work with a consulting firm? Yeah, it, it definitely improves the, the efficiency there because you no longer have to worry about keeping your Windows servers for the delivery controllers and storefront patched and up to date. And if you're offloading ADC to the cloud, then, then you don't have to worry about keeping firmware up to date on those. It's, that's that's all handled by Citrix. So now your primary concern is those images uh, and keeping your cloud connectors up. So yeah, the, the care and feeding of an environment is certainly um, a good bit reduced uh, in a cloud scenario. So Nitin, as the guy who owns that product, what do you think of that answer? 
Uh, it's just kind of like one of those things where we're kind of, um, you know, looking at introducing all kinds of features and functionality to kind of help reduce, you know, some of that, you know, that, uh, you know, the time it takes to, to kind of get, um, you know, app and desktop deployed, get users up and running. Um, you know, we're looking at also like as in supporting as customers going to the cloud, giving them all the tools that they need to, you know, help reduce that time to kind of, um, you know, uh, we kind of like to use the term to to basically get the most value at the at the shortest amount of time when it comes to deploying app and desktop. So let's let's stay on the deployment concept real quick. And I know we're not hitting the blog yet, but Bill, if I were to say, "Hey, customers got five different locations," how does that change the uh, the upfront savings of time and efforts significantly? Um, yeah. yeah, because again, you're. You're, you can manage all that from one place. Um, all you're really looking to do there is, is establish a resource location in all those lo- in all those uh, various locations, and you do that by putting in cloud connectors. You still have to manage the image, but you don't have to worry about all the site design issues um, that you would for a you know for where the controllers are going to go and where your databases are going to go. Yeah. Well, thanks guys for entertaining my little. Uh... My little uh, offshoot there, but I think it really much applies to the the very much applies to the story around virtual app and desktop service, uh, and some of what we're going to cover here with Nitten and, and their commitment to constantly making it easier to roll out and easier to maintain while bringing new features in rapidly. And by rapidly, I mean monthly. And that's what we're here to talk about today is um, the uh, what's new with Citrix virtual app and virtual apps and desktops March 2021. And Nitten, I think it's fair to say that uh, the the as a service piece of this allows this to be a monthly type of what's new versus what we had in the past, which was every couple of years we would get new stuff, right? Yep. Yep. So like, yeah, if, if folks, I'm sure it's been talked about in previous podcasts or um, we were talking about like how our release strategy shifted from just doing something that's every couple of years to um, we'll do an on-prem release every quarter. Uh, we, we've been pretty good at for the past two years doing a quarterly on-prem release. And then, um, you know, the, the quarterly on-prem release um, has a lot of the components that we do within our cloud release, which is we do on a monthly cadence. Um, you know, some, some features may be specific to cloud um, because of the fact that just the, the nature of the type of release or a feature. Um, but when we do these uh, what's new blogs, we do them quarterly and we sort of do like this wrap up of, what came out for our app and desktop cloud service in quarter, as well as what came out with the uh, on-prem VDA. And we're specifically talking about VDA 2103, which is um, the one that released in mid-March. So I've been spending a lot of time on this podcast really promoting the as a service, but this is uh, yet more commitment or commitment from Citrix to the on-premises solution continuing to move forward as well. And the uh, blog talks about uh, five years of doing that quarterly uh, but it seems like it's even getting the on-premises is now even more than quarterly. It's uh, it's, it's monthly as well as, as far as um, as far as the enhancements. Yeah, it can be. Um, the on-premises is mostly like you'll you'll see when we're we're releasing all our VDAs. I mean, obviously, we're doing all kinds of fixes and performance improvements um, versus like as you keep moving from VDA, like we're looking at improving RAM use utilization, CPU utilization. Um, and then specifically, I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably get into it. Like a lot of the, the cloud, uh, features that were released as well as, uh, I can kind of delve into what was in that 2103 release. And we try to make it, uh, you know, do a good job of making it impactful, 
with each release, um, like as far as new features. Uh, but really the main thing is, I mean, with every new current VDA, you're going to get some sort of performance enhancements and, and, and um, you know, just, just minor tweaks. And maybe it's just kind of under the radar, but a lot of them are just sort of like key customer requests, even though they might sound like very minute, uh, very small enhancements, like the graphic quality status indicator and, and the quality slider, which I'll kind of touch on, but like, that's like one of those things where, you know, it, you're kind of like wondering, Oh, what's the big deal about it? But someone requested it, a customer requested it. And it's looking at something that addresses either an end user specific issue or an admin specific request. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's jump into those. So the first one you brought up is the quality slider. Is that in the, in the virtual desktop or on the uh, workspace app side of the equation? That's under the virtual desktop, but you'll see it in the lower hand sys tray. It's very, so we made enhancements to the graphics uh, status indicator, um, which is something that was released, I think a few years ago, but what we'd introduce is like sort of a slider. Um, so it was kind of uh, requested from, you know, some, I, the use case I would think of is let's say you're a, uh, you know, game developer or graphic designer, and you may have a poor connection. So the way that the app and desktop does work is it'll kind of start reducing the image quality to improve the performance of the VDA. But let's say you really need to have a crystal clear image. You can actually, um, you as an end user can just push through and slide it to, I want the crystal clear image. You know, I want to see this, um, a uh, clear image regardless of the network connection. There's like a minor drop or something like that. So it gives that little toggle that could either choose between performance or, or image quality. Um, I mean, this is dependent on the administrator setting it for that user, um, but it's giving that option for that user. So sounds very minute, but it's, it's addressing a key use case for, you know, users that are, are looking at or, or need that optimal image quality when they're in and a session. And that's going to, when you... When it's more precise, you're going to use more bandwidth, and when it's less precise, you're going to use less bandwidth. Uh, that's the way I've I've kind of understood it, the way it looks. Um, but it's just yeah, it's kind of designed to uh, give the user that the ability to get that crystal clear image. Yeah, but it, it could um, it could impact the performance of the VDA if they are in that instance where it's a a poor network connection. Yeah. So what'll happen for me is I'll be you know, a month or two months from now, all of a sudden that'll show up in my, uh, my company virtual desktop and all of a sudden I'll, you know, I'll remember back to this conversation and think, Oh, there it is. And, uh, <laughs> is that something you have to turn on by policy? Nitin? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's not, I don't think it's enabled by default. I think it has to be set up. Perfect. So guys, the uh, next paragraph, and I'm really excited that we're talking about HDX in the first two paragraphs. That's, that's you know what makes Citrix Citrix. The second one talks about HDX and uh, the rendezvous proxy. What's that about? So yeah, initially we didn't have proxy support for rendezvous. Um, we've made continuous enhancements to rendezvous proxy support. So it was like one of those things that was requested from the users. We're introducing um, from what 2103 introduces SOX uh, 5 proxy. So, um, you know, when you're not using a uh, non-transparent proxy network, you can specify either uh, the address of the proxy or the, or the path, path of, the, of the, I think they, I may be mispronouncing this, but it's either PAC file or PAC file. Um, but it's just like, there's a number of proxy configurations now you can do with the rendezvous protocol. 
Um, so you could do like transparent proxies, non-transparent proxies. Um, these were something that was requested um, when we introduced Rendezvous a couple years ago. And maybe it'd be okay just to just to recap what Rendezvous is, just in general, the Rendezvous process. Yeah, so Rendezvous, it's um, it's a protocol where it's um, it allows the HDX uh, the Rendezvous protocol allows the HDX session to bypass the cloud connector to connect directly to um, the secure the Citrix Gateway service. So if you happen to have a service customer, um, you know this is a kind of important because what happens is it used to be. Um, you know, like cloud connectors can have a bottleneck and a lot of times you would have to keep adding cloud connectors, but that introduces a little bit of management, um, you know, overhead. Uh, it can be difficult to manage. So we've introduced the, the Rendezvous protocol to kind of just, um, where essentially the session bypasses the cloud connector. So um, if you're, if you're, because the cloud connectors have a number, a finite number of sessions per connector, so when you start hitting uh, the max per cloud connector, you would want to add more. But let's say now we we had a it, we introduced the rendezvous protocol to just bypass the cloud connector. So so you'd have to have if you're using a number of sessions connecting, you avoid having um, you know that issue where you have to keep adding cloud connectors or you're running into a user bottleneck. And are most people using the rendezvous um, capability by default, or is just when uh, the the connector gets overloaded? Um, I think it depends on, on um, I've seen it more customers are, are using it by, uh, if, I guess if you're a larger uh, user base, they're using the Rendezvous uh, protocol. Um, if you're using like upwards of 2,000 or, or 10,000 Citrix connections, um, smaller shops are probably not, I wouldn't say that they're utilizing that. I don't know if Bill has maybe seen something different. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Well, and then this last one talks about the uh, session recording capabilities. What's uh, what's being announced there? So yeah, we introduced a number of things on session recording. Um, one of them, uh, I think we mentioned in the blog, which just kind of talks about now uh, we're supporting, you can start putting the uh, session recording database or aspects of session recording within the cloud. Um, we're introducing like session recording, um, uh, I would say support for AWS RDS database. So, Bill, we've covered a lot there. I think that last one is uh, interesting. You and I have talked about session recording and, and data management and what could happen there for a bunch of years. What's any, any of these three things you want to dive deeper into? Yeah, um, the HDX Rendezvous, I think, um, did, did, did ask um, whether I'd seen a lot of use of it. And I would agree with your assessment that, that I haven't seen a whole lot of use of this, uh, particularly in the smaller clients, there's some interest on the part of some of the larger clients uh, that we've, that we interact with, but um, some of them are still trying to get, trying to understand the security ramifications of it. Um, you know, and, and I think there's, some of them have this idea that they somehow it's exposing their, their session host servers, which it's not. Um, so we have to get them over that hump. Um, but beyond that, uh, I haven't really seen much adoption of rendezvous for the, particularly for the smaller clients. So the next uh, section jumps into a topic of easy desktops as a service capability. So DAS, D-A-A-S, uh, for all Citrix virtual app and desktop customers. Nitin, what's what's this trying to convey to us? So, yeah, we're introducing um, now customers that are Citrix uh, app and desktop service customers. They have the option to deploy DAS workloads right from Citrix Cloud. So it's giving admins um, 
sort of like new options to offload like IT management um, to make, you know, serving desktops as a service easier than before with a, like a consumption-based uh, model. So we were introduced Citrix Managed Azure. Um, if you're, uh, it's, it's sort of very, well, it is what we were talking about with CMD, Citrix Managed Desktops last year, where we've uh, now incorporated the, uh, you know, the ability for all Citrix customers, Citrix service customers to be able to deploy, um, you know, Azure-based uh, desktops. So it's a true, it's essentially our true DAS offering that you can do from app and desktop service. So um, basically customers can subscribe to Citrix Managed Azure, leverage to deploy workloads. It's, uh, I've seen it where it's supposed to be five clicks and you can get a desktop up and running. Um, so if there's an instance for, you know, use cases where you have temporary workers, contract workers, uh, you need to scale up for something like say your retail, you need to scale up for seasonal workers, um, but you don't necessarily want to fully commit to full on DAS, um, but you're an existing app and desktop customer, you have the ability to um, deploy these DAS workloads straight from your Citrix app and desktop service console. Yeah. And can you bring your own tenant there or do you have to use a Citrix tenant for the desktop workloads? Um, that's, uh, let me, I'd have to follow up on that. I believe you can bring your own tenant. Yeah. Most of the time that's the case with you guys. So I can't imagine it being different. Yeah. Bill yeah. thoughts on uh, the ability to quickly interact with Azure and, and bring up desktops. Uh, you know, I mean, I think this is great, particularly for the smaller customers, um, and some medium sized customers. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, to, to have all the, basically one bill or two bills to, to manage it. Yeah. And so, yeah, as Bill was saying, yeah, you basically a one bill, um, it's easy monthly billing, um, you know, basically where you can deploy VMs from various Azure locations that we're supporting like us, East, West, uh, West Europe, Australia, East, right. um, we're constantly looking at adding more, um, you know, regions to that as, as we start getting more interest in it. Um, the, the intent of this is just basically looking at, um, one, we're working closely with Microsoft, but also, you know, uh, we're supporting uh, various use cases that uh, have seen a huge uptick just through the events of 2020, where I need to I need to have access to you, like, give my users access to a virtual desktop instantly, instead of having to build out the backend infrastructure, which can take some, you know, some time, right. So this next one's a interesting topic for me personally because I got an early, early look at Citrix virtual app and desktop service um, probably six years ago now, maybe maybe longer. And uh, the first thing that felt kludgy was the um, the fact that the uh, the studio uh, was really just a published web HTML version of Studio. Uh, you guys have come a long way with making the uh, the web Studio uh, really the the platform of the future. You want to talk to us about this one? Yeah. So that's uh... <laughs> You did indicate that we did have a number of feedback of the original, uh, you know, the the Web Studio console. When especially if you're a Citrix Cloud customer, um, this was a project that we've uh, I've watched the the actual the we have another product marketing manager that's on this, um, and then I got a chance to see this where uh, how it's developed and the, the various feedback that we've gotten from users over the past year when we started building out um, the new Web Studio. Um, the, the main feedback that we got is we just need to improve the actual like speed of, of, you know, like how you can access web studio. 
So this is a full-on web-based console, uh, the way we've introduced it, and I've seen it in action where, um, where it's, you know, like when you're going through the various nodes, um, when we say nodes, it's just basically like the, um, for folks I'm trying to visualize, to do a good job of visualizing it, but when you're in the Citrix Cloud console, the various nodes are, you know, applications, delivery groups, machine catalogs, administrators. Um, it can take some time in the original um, ver web version of it, um, but we've basically enhanced this, introduced a new UI, a new UI to make it a lot more snappy. Um, we've seen demo videos where, you know, it can take up to 15 seconds to launch a specific node, whereas this new web studio, it can, it's, it's one second. It's pretty responsive. Uh, we've also introduced a number of, like, new enhancements to it from, or options within it, like new nodes. Um, and then we're going to continuously improve it. Um, I would say, like, uh, there's, there's, there's things that we're looking at kind of, giving you a little bit of a verbal sneak preview or if there's a specific thing that's buried within a menu, we're looking at popping that out. So I'll have its own little node within there. I won't indicate what exactly yet. Cause I don't know if I'll get in trouble for that. <laughs> well, hey, just a quick, uh, you know, shout out to Citrix. The fact that you were able to use your own technology to solve the web challenge for such a long time. And it really did work a little slower, but that was, that was pretty impressive really for real Citrix guys to see, Citrix using their own technology to solve challenges that other customers had around different applications and webifying them. Um, you know, I don't want to make it sound all bad. Uh, watching that thing work and work well, uh, well enough to solve the problem, that was actually pretty, pretty exciting for a Citrix guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I did a, I did a what's new, me and Alan Fermansky. Um, he's on our team. Like he's pretty well known in the Citrix, Citrix community as well as uh, the user group community and customers know him. So like, we did a what's new webinar and I actually go through a little demo video of, of, you know, how snappy that looks like. I think it's still on demand. So folks are just kind of, we go a little bit more in technical depth as far as what's, what's new. Uh, I didn't mean to have a shameless plug for my, my little webinar I did, but. No, that's all right. Now's the time. Do it. Bill, any thoughts on the uh, moving to the web? Yeah, I've got it. Uh, I've got a demo environment that I use pretty frequently to, to help my, my team uh, come up to speed or to address issues. And I've been uh, very impressed with the web version of it. It's uh, it, like you said, it's much snappier than the old version. And it looks like uh, so a lot of the items were in preview and I see now they're all, they're all GA. They, they don't have the preview note notation, but it's a, it's a really full featured management platform. And I'm, I'm very, very impressed. So nice job to your team for that. So the next uh, section here talks about service continuity. Um, Nidden, you want to cover that? You said Alan's name, not not stuck in my head. You want to cover uh, what you guys are announcing around service continuity? Well, actually, it's funny. Alan actually owns this too, so uh, he's one of the guys that are on this. This is actually really. Um, I was really excited about this. We this was a project name. It had a different project name we had when I first heard about this a couple years ago. Um, it's it's basically from a very high level, it's addressing the concerns that someone may have if there's a cloud platform outage or if there's a connectivity challenge. Um, what it does is we've re-architected the way that a user can connect to their apps and desktops. Um, so the way, if there is a cloud out outage or if there is an instance where they can't connect to a network, the user can still potentially launch some of their apps and virtual desktops, virtual apps and virtual desktops um, because it's caching their session within their workspace app. 
So it's very workspace app dependent. Um, and uh, right now we're currently in, we're talking about it in, in March timeframe, we were in tech preview. Um, so we're actually approaching and very excited at kind of we're approaching general availability within um, sometime this quarter. So um, the key thing about this one, if folks are familiar with localhost cache, um, how that kind of kept your Citrix session in the event of a, of a connection outage. Um, this is sort of similar to that, but it's supposed to be a little bit more robust um, when it comes to having access to your apps and desktops if, if there's an outage. Um, the user, from the u- end user side of it, they will see like a little uh, little note at the top of their workspace app um, you know, screen saying there's some connected outage, you'll have some limited access. Um, but the intent of this is to ensure that there will still be some type of access. Um, and I've seen it in action in uh, demo form and technical preview. Um, it, it works pretty seamless um, from what I've seen. And we've launched like a Word document, typical like um, Windows-based applications I've seen. Um, so it's it's designed to be pretty, um, as more customers are looking at moving to the cloud and they're concerned about what happens if my users can't connect to the internet, this is one of those things that we're looking at to help address that concern. That's amazing. I mean, the fact that Citrix is really so cloud-centric but understands that needing to work when if and when the platform as a service control plane is down uh that just goes back to many many years of understanding what could happen even on the on-premises piece of the equation Mm -hmm. bill thoughts no i like again i like this um it's interesting it uh that it caches it caches the details down to the workspace app correct that's uh that's what it's doing yeah right yeah yeah, this is a. I haven't tested this. Had a chance to test this yet. I think it was a. I was a invite only or a opt in only preview. But I'm looking forward to testing this and 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 having my team test it. Yeah. Next section here talks about app protection. What are we covering here? Before so we yeah, we we uh, app protection policies is a feature that we introduced for our on-prem customers last year. We we're developing it where it's. Um, Let's kind of revisit that where if you're in a Citrix session, you're, you know, you as an administrator can apply these uh, policies, which include, um, you know, there's an anti-screen scraper, anti-key logging um, uh, functionality to it. So if you're even in a web, uh, like if you're in a, uh, sorry, a SaaS app that you launched um, or a published app or desktop, and you're on an endpoint that happens to have malware installed, like a keylogger or a screen scraper. Um, basically, when you're launching in that Citrix session, no, that that uh, threat actor won't be able to obtain any of that information. Um, so if it's a screen scraper, all they'll get is a just sort of a, a gray screen. Um, if there's a keylogger installed, they'll just get scrambled um, information. So it's just a it's a security feature. Um, when we initially introduced it, we were as available for on-prem customers only, but the big update that we did in, in, in earlier this year was we're now introducing it to our app and desktop service customers. Yeah, we started uh, implementing that within our own environment, and I had a big customer on the call the other day doing a customer success call, and I said, hey, watch this. I was going to show them how we use Workspace, and because we have app protection policies turned on and I was doing a Teams meeting, my Workspace was blank. Yeah, that's that's what that was. Remember when we first introduced this feature? It was really hard to demo uh, virtually because uh, because of the security aspect of it. I couldn't just 
show it over uh over like a go to meeting or uh or um you know any any sort of like screen sharing thing because by functionality the thing was being secured and it actually just it was it was we had to get creative on how to show it yeah hey bill anything about app protection uh being part of the citrix virtual app and desktop service now that you want to bring up no nothing that you haven't already discussed all right we mentioned session recording a while ago it's a big part of uh something Bill and I have um, been yep. excited about for many, many years. Um, what, what are you guys announcing here? This is the AWS conversation from earlier. Yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier. The big session recording update. Um, that was the ability to now you can um, sort of store it in the cloud um, there. I mean, there's a number of things that we always do. We, we you know, we updated it with, um, uh, we, we did some minor fixes and enhancements to that. Um, but basically, the main thing was now we are introducing the ability to uh, to deploy um, the database on AWS RDS. Um, we've done some playback enhancements. Uh, the video that we have in the blog is is talking about the new web player. Um, I think that was that was really more introduced in Q4 of last year. Um, but we are constantly making enhancements to the session recording web player. Um, and you know, there's just outside of that, that's like the, the main thing was what we were talking about earlier, where you can deploy it in the cloud now. So that just kind of makes the uh, conversations around how much storage am I going to need kind of moot because you're talking about very cost effective, but yet scalable storage. Yeah. Well, as your as customers are moving to the cloud, they want to start migrating more components to the cloud. So this gives them that opportunity to that when it comes to their Citrix workloads. Bill, thoughts? So does this, um, Nitin, does this still require a Windows server in AWS or, or Amazon? I'm sorry, or Azure? Or uh, or is it cloud native now? I think it still requires a Windows server. Okay, I thought so, yeah. We've got a few customers using this, and that's uh, that's what they've had to do. But the web player is something that they, the database support and the upcoming web player are definitely things that are in the right direction. So the next section talks about WIM, uh, Workspace Environment Manager or Management. Uh, Nitin, you want to try to cover this one? Yeah. So I'll, uh, I, I will self-admit uh, that WIM is one of those things that I know a lot of Citrix admins really love. And a lot of aspects of it can get a little bit into the weeds for me. But we, you know, we're constantly making enhancements to WIM uh, because of the fact that you know, it's one of those feature functionalities that, you know, gives more, ad, you know, more management control of app and desktop. So we'll give you, we'll give you a pass on that one. I, I think, and we will cover it. Don't get me wrong. But okay. I don't think WIM is something that uh, unless you actually manage an environment, I don't think you ever get to really use it enough to, to feel comfortable with it unless you actually have an environment. It's one of those, you know, day-to-day -day management tools. Yeah. It's so that's, that's par par partially why, like I have very, it's like one of those things I'll read through what's new with it. Yep. And because it's kind of difficult for me to kind of get my hands on a lot of the the aspects that come with it. So it's kind of like, I just know, you know, we the, the things that we introduced were contextual filtering for GPOs, which, um, you know, uh, allows applying GPOs to specific users and sessions um, with like a, you know, set of criteria and rules. Um, I think the other thing we're doing is profile management support. Um, I think they uh, use configure, like a lot of people use when to configure profile management settings within the environment. Right. So now we're introducing that capability within WEM, um, a lot more uh, profile management support aspects. 
Um, and then non-domain, non-domain joined VDAs. Um, so it allows, you know, web cloud service to work with VDAs that are not uh, domain joined. Bill, thoughts on WIM? Yeah, this uh, this we're seeing a lot of lot more use of this and a kind of an uptick in use of WIM uh, by customers, particularly those who are cloud oriented. Um, obviously, because the WIM management service is in in Citrix Cloud, so all they really have to do is deploy the VDA because the agents now in the VDA. It's just an option to select, so it's pretty easy for a customer to, to onboard this, even if all they want to do is a CPU and memory management. But we have a a uh, consultant who's very keen on this and has done had a lot of success of it with customers, so much so that um, I'm actually having him do a presentation for the team today to go over some of these new features as well as WEM generally. So um, glad to see that uh, WEM is still getting the Citrix love. So the next section talks about uh, analytics updates. Of course, we need to talk about two things, security analytics and then performance analytics. Let's, uh, let's, let's cover the geofencing comment here. Yeah, so we're just basically in, in for security analytics. We've, I mean, it was the security visibility uh, that you had of your Citrix environment, but we're introducing some um, some sort of actionable aspects of it. So we're introducing geofence user access. So um, it basically enables security teams to, you know, they can create location-based or policy-driven access. Um, they can create like an, you know, allow or deny list based off, you know, users, uh, based off their locations. Bill thoughts on having that uh, element added to the security plays for virtual app and desktop. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this, uh, this helps ensure that we're, we can set rules could kick off session recording and other things based on, you know, users connecting from strange locations. Yeah, and I think initially, like you could maybe see it um, if a user is accessing, but now there's an actual actionable aspect to it. Right. right. So I went to dinner last night with our exchange student who's from Greece, and he's getting ready to graduate, and I'm trying to help him get into this world of of in-user compute. And he started talking about his uh, how frustrated he was by the credit card companies turning off his credit cards because he's booking flights all over the world uh, <laughs> to go travel after he graduates for a little bit. And I wanted to go into this conversation around analytics with him, but I was like, uh, I'll wait till you know how, uh, how the basics work. <laughs> it's interesting because I think on the credit card example, I think, I wonder if like uh, certain banks are taking advantage of that. Like if they, so if it sees that you bought a plane ticket or you're, you're at the airport or whatever, and you hop on the flight and you go somewhere, um, you know, maybe uh, I would assume like banks can do a better job of basically saying, okay, well, he's at the airport. He bought a cup of coffee. So he must be going somewhere. And then, so it doesn't necessarily just turn your credit card off if you land in the, you know, uh, the, the destination and you're buying a cup of coffee. Right. Well, that's interesting because you just took it from a security conversation to a performance conversation where Correct. in theory, maybe the bank is trying to help you better understand, or maybe I'm stretching here, but maybe the bank is trying to help you understand things that you might need now that you've landed in the car or wherever it is you've landed. And that's yeah. now we talk performance and things that hopefully in this case, Citrix, but the, the, the bank in the other case is doing things to help make your world better. Yeah, that's the, I remember seeing the utopia view of what future banking would be a couple of years ago when I used to be part of the vertical marketing team. And it was talking about using all kinds of data and how you can um, not only improve security, but also improve, you know, that user experience aspect instead of like, or, you know, serving up specific, uh, 
you know, things that are uh, like coupons or deals or, or whatever as based off someone's actual patterns. And I think as we go forward, similar to what we're kind of going into analytics, the amount of data that is going back and forth, it's like, how do you turn that data into actionable aspects? Right. How do you turn it into good stuff? Yeah. So the first one in here is uh, availability insights. What's this mean? Yeah. So that's on the performance analytics side. Um, so I guess we've always had the ability for to see if VGA, VDAs were registered or, or if they're not, but we didn't offer any sort of insights into the overall availability or unavailability and how the, that VDA not being available affects the environment. Um, so now admins will get that, you know, that visibility. It's just a data point. Um, they'll get to see, um, you know, why it's not available and then the corresponding aspects to why it's not. Uh, Bill, thoughts on that one? No, it'll be interesting to see um, how that helps customers. I mean, I think there's definitely uh, some benefit here, particularly understanding why. And then the, the next one talks about actions. I'm assuming that uh, is actions that the admin can take or actions that can be automated. So what it's introducing is uh, like within performance analytics, there's an actions like tab or function like, or uh, I don't know if it's a tab or sort of like a, a, a view. Um, previously, if you wanted to take actions like restarting or putting something in maintenance mode, you'd have to log into director or studio and, and go outside of the analytics console. So we're bringing that into the analytics console. So now you can see now all those things like restarting and, and putting a VDA maintenance mode can be achieved within um, Citrix Analytics uh, dashboard, including um, you know draining users from machines for like maintenance mode. Okay, and then the final one is uh, executive visibility. Um, sounds important. Yeah, that's I've understood that as it's now we're creating executive focused reports um, for like search queries. Um, so. Um, you can save them and, and schedule them to be run and then have them emailed um, if you want to have them, uh, you know, back, get, get that information outside of the console. So if you're not really um, logging into the console, you can get all that information emailed back to you. And, and you know, the analytics piece is something that we as um, admins love to have, but it's, it's really, you know, great to have that information to be able to share with other people in the organization that don't realize what they're missing if they don't have this stuff enabled and turned on. Yeah. yeah. This has always been tough to get out of director to get the kind of executive insight. So having the ability to create this certainly uh, benefits us, um, you know, us admins. Yeah. And we're constantly making improvements to the analytics aspect because obviously there's a lot more data that's available that ad that app and desktop does contain and uh, it's, it's based off, we're getting a number of feedback saying like, hey, why don't you have this thing? This would be great, really great if you had this, or if I had a bit insight on this. So analytics is really um, a thing, it's a feature that, um, or product that we're constantly improving to see, you know, what it is that we can, um, the data that we can take in and, and present back to, to you as a Citrix administrator managing your big environment and how you can ensure that um, you're proactively ensuring users are always having access or if they don't have access, why they don't have access and, and right. the security piece too. Well, and then there's one more thing here. It talks about the availability of the uh, Citrix virtual app and desktop roadmap. 
what is this? Yeah, so um, now we've introduced a single page that you can go to. Um, so sometimes we'll get questions on on a number of things like, hey, when are, when are you guys coming out with this? Um, is this available? Um, so the Citrix Virtual App and Desktop Roadmap um, will show like, you know, features that we're currently working on. It'll show like it's if it's in progress or working on it or if we released it. Um, this page also shows if we're looking at a feature that's in tech preview. Um, so if you're, um, you know, you're interested in seeing, you know, what it is that we're working on or what's come out or, or um, if something's in tech preview, that page will show, um, you know, that information and it's broken out between experience, choice and security as we normally, you know, break our features out in um, now it's not all encompassing. Obviously, there's a number of features that we can't publicly talk about. So this is just kind of a good snapshot of, of some of the things that we do want to say is upcoming. Um, you know, and, and it's a good thing to kind of see the visual as far as like what it is that we're working on. Right. Well, it's good to see Citrix, uh, like in this podcast, the amount of stuff you guys are improving upon from the legacy pieces all the way up to the latest things with security and performance analytics. And then now you're making it visible for people to kind of track along the way. Uh, it's, it's, it's great to see the evolution not stopping. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we, we do release a number of stuff. So it's, we're, we're trying to make it easier to parse through all that information that we do release. So this is like one of those things where, um, you can, you can, you have like a viewpoint as far as, uh, to make it easier to kind of see what's released and what's coming. We've also, uh, improved our addition, our feature matrixes. We used to have our matrixes in like various different, four different web pages. Um, we've actually, it's pretty easy to search. You can just type in Citrix virtual app and desktop feature matrix, and now it's one page. Um, you can uh, filter between what's on-prem um, and what's cloud, what features are available. So we took the feedback saying, you guys have too many, I have to book too, bookmark too many of your matrixes or matrices. Uh, um, so yeah, it's now all in one, one page. No, that's great. I've, I've spent more time than I care to talk about looking through feature matrix, uh, related <laughs> to products. Bill, Bill, I'm sure too. Oh yeah. Hey Bill, um, before we let didn't go any, anything else on this topic or other things that you would like to, to bring up here? No, I just like to see the continuous improvement and uh, looking forward to what we see in the next three months. Nitin, anything else uh, you'd want to want to share? Um, I will say that we have some good stuff coming out in the next current release that we do have. Um, it's it's actually a number of HDX features that we're introducing, as well as um, uh, we're, we do get a lot of um, requests from. We're seeing a lot more expansive in Linux user base and specific customers and. A lot of times we've, we've had feedback as far as like to meet feature parity with Linux VDA and Windows VDA. And that this upcoming release also does feature some some good stuff for the Linux audience out there, too. So is that comment the uh, and you said it, the Linux VDA or the Linux Workspace app or both? Uh, both. Um, but majority when I'm when I'm when I was like thinking in my head as far as what's coming out for Linux, it's the VDA mm -hmm. um, stuff, the VDA functionality and enhancements. Yeah, you guys have been really good about uh, the Linux uh, workspace app for I don't know five years now. It's it's pretty much kept up with Windows almost mm -hmm. at every turn. Yeah, it's just a giving customers choice. You know, instead of if there there's a need to move off of, or if there's a need to have a, a big Linux footprint, um, 
it's kind of ensuring that customers have that choice if they need to. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining. And we'll, we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. It's always good to catch up. Cool. Thanks guys. Thanks. thanks.